Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Naomi Rovnik. Michael Calvi, a US citizen and one of Russia's most prominent foreign investors, has been detained in Moscow in connection with a large-scale fraud investigation in a case that has shocked the business community. Neil Buckley spoke to Max Seddon, our correspondent in Moscow, who has been covering the case. Max, set the scene for us first a bit and tell us about Michael Calvi. How important a figure is he in the Russian business and investment community? Well, Michael Calvi was basically the only game in town left as far as foreign investments were concerned. After 2014, when the Russian economy went into recession and the U.S. and the EU passed sanctions against Russia over the Ukraine crisis, lots of foreign investors packed their bags and left, including people who'd been here for 20 years. And Calvi, running the biggest, by far, Russia-focused private equity fund, he'd actually just raised a large amount of money in the fund, and instead of skipping town, he flew around the world and met every single investor to reassure them that their money was going to be safe. But with the possible exceptions of BP and Tatel, who have minority stakes in energy projects here, he was the largest foreign investor in Russia by far. And he founded Bering Vostok way back in the 1990s as a private equity firm. But what kind of investments does it specialise in? What was it known for? What is it known for? What Bering does is they take money from large institutional investors, pension funds like CalPERS in California, some other American states, EBRD, funds of funds. And they take this institutional investor money and they put it in Russian private equity. And the thing about Bering was that they would always avoid the more politicized or dangerous parts of the Russian economy, chiefly oil, gas, and metals, where all the oligarch wars would usually happen in favor of early stage investments in technology companies and other consumer facing companies, a bit of finance, a bit of medical stuff. They are best known for investing in 2000. They put $5 million into Yandex, which is kind of the Russian version of Google. That got them a 35% stake. Yandex went IPO'd in 2011. That earned bearing a 500 times return. So in many ways, that makes the fact that he's now been charged even more surprising, given that, you know, he'd really tried to avoid controversial areas of investment. So what are the charges that Michael Calvi is actually facing? Well, the reason why this is such a surprise for Calvi is that you know he's not a stranger to a Russian courtroom. What he is a stranger to is a Russian criminal courtroom. And in Russia, if you would ask someone like Calvi himself, He would say that in Russia, there hasn't been criminal court reform, but there has been successful civil and arbitration court reform. And Bering was actually quite well known for being quite tough in defending its rights in various shareholder battles, and they would stay in the arbitration court. What he's being charged with here is Bering has a majority stake in the top 30 bank that focuses on the Russian Far East called the Stochny Bank. And the prosecutors and the FSB, the Secret Services, are accusing Bering of organizing this related party transaction that cheated the bank out of about $38 million. And he and the other three Bering Vostok employees who handled Vostochny are facing three to 10 years in prison under these charges. So it could be up to 10 years. And he would be the first Western investor to get a prison term if that happened, or the first US investor to get a prison term? 
He's certainly the most famous, most high-profile person ever to face something like this. Normally what happens is if you're involved in sort of shareholder dispute, if you look at Bill Browder, who used to be the biggest foreign portfolio investor in Russian stocks, now he's one of Russia's most prominent critics and uh, campaigns for sanctions against Russia. He was just kicked out of Russia. He just tried to fly into the airport one day and they turned him around and sent him home. The idea that they could actually bring charges against you as a U.S. citizen, this was always seen as something that was just beyond the realms of possibility because this happens to Russian people. There are about 6,000 Russian businessmen right now who are in Michael Calvi's very situation, but the idea of this happening to Americans suggests that there was some sort of political involvement. As we've seen so often in the past, these things are rarely exactly what they seem to be on the surface. So who or what do people there think is really behind this Calvi case? Well, what Calvi said in court was that this is the result of a shareholder conflict. It's not a secret that he has a long-running shareholder conflict with the minority shareholders in Vostochny Bank over control of the bank. And he said that they basically used this as a salvo to try to get at him. Basically, what happened was after 2014, there was another financial crisis in Russia, and Vostochny tried to mitigate the risk by merging with another bank owned by two businessmen that very few people have heard of called Artema Vedisyan and Shirzon Yusupov. And as a result of the merger, Calvi says that the central bank ordered the bank to be recapitalized and to create more reserves. And Calvi said in court that they have arbitration proceedings in London against the minority shareholders for asset stripping their bank before the merger with Vastochny. And so he claimed that this was some sort of salvo in that shareholder dispute. What is clear is that this isn't just some ordinary part of Russian criminal procedure because I was at one of the appeals yesterday and they said that Yusupov, who filed the complaint, filed it directly to a man named Ivan Tkachov, who is the head of the Economic Crimes Department of the FSB and in charge of all financial things that come under the arm of the Russian security services. This is generally not someone whose bad side you want to be on. Sure. So some senior people involved here then. Now, President Vladimir Putin said in his annual State of the Nation address last week that honest or well-intentioned business people shouldn't live in fear of prosecution. Now, he didn't name Michael Calvi, but obviously there were hopes among Calvi's supporters that the president might therefore intervene in the case, which I think they had asked him to do. But it's now been reported that Mr Putin afterwards privately backed the security services investigation into Mr. Calvi. So what role is the Kremlin playing here, do we think? Someone made a joke on Twitter that it sounds a bit like the old line from The Purges. Someone please tell Comrade Stalin that there has been a terrible mistake because what Michael Calvi is saying is that there is no political thing here. This isn't the FSB going after Americans because relations are so bad even though he's the second American to be arrested in the high-profile case in Russia in six weeks after they arrested an ex-Marine called Paul Wheel on espionage charges at the very end of last year. And what's happened is that his business rivals have been manipulating prosecutors to solve a business dispute. They are confident they will be able to show that the accusations are false and that they will be exonerated. The problem is that it doesn't look like Putin necessarily shares his view of the Russian justice system. 
what Putin said basically at this meeting with Russian media editors-in-chief last week was that the security services had briefed him on this and he wasn't going to interfere and he thought that the evidence that had been provided to him by his various security services was compelling enough to support the case. But this is, as you mentioned, the latest in a line of cases where foreign and domestic business people have found themselves targeted by what looks like a predatory use of the justice system or security services. You mentioned the case of Bill Browder. Can you just briefly remind us of a couple of the other key cases before this one? Well, if you ask Bering Vasag, what they might tell you would be that this is more like the case of TNKBP, where BP had a 50% joint venture in a Russian oil company with some Russian oligarchs, and it turned into this spectacular corporate battle because no one had a controlling stake, and the oligarchs would battle with BP for control of the JV, and this ended with BP's CEO of the JV fleeing the country, alleging harassment, there were raids by security services, all sorts of strange court rulings in the middle of the night from Siberia, but there was not necessarily any greater political element to it. And the problem with that is that this is something that happens in Russia all the time. There are 6,000 businessmen currently in prison on pretrial detention without even having made it to trial on charges like this, according to the Kremlin's own business ombudsman. And this is something that Putin has frequently paid lip service to over the last 10 years. There's a government working group in his State of the Union address last week. He said that this Kremlin think tank, the Agency for Strategic Initiatives, needed to come up with some more ways to tackle the problem. The only issue there, why if you're a Michael Calvi supporter, you might not be taking heart, is because the person at the Agency for Strategic Initiatives, who is in charge of this very program, is none other than the man that Michael Calvi says put him in jail, Artyom Vedisyan. Okay, and this, of course, is really the last thing that Russia might seem to need right now in terms of investment because foreign direct investment fell to very low levels by last year. What is the impact on investment and the business climate of this case likely to be? Yeah, if you look at the Russian Central Bank stats, foreign direct investment fell from about $27 billion to just under $2 billion last year. And Bering Vostok, since 2016, says it's invested $900 million in Russian companies. So that's nearly half the entire foreign direct investment total for last year. Obviously, this is an extremely bad signal, and lots of Russian business associations, even people who are liberal economic heavyweights who go back to the 90s with Putin and have his ear, like German Greff from Sparebank or Alexei Kudrin, the former finance minister, they've publicly spoken out against this. But the issue is with the geopolitical situation in the state as it is now, the Kremlin may just not care anymore because they've created a very large wealth barrier. And when Putin talks about investing in the economy and trying to stimulate growth, these days, he's mostly talking about the many state-owned companies and other forms of state money that, by some estimates, account for as much as 70% of Russian GDP. So the issue is they don't care because there's barely any foreign direct investment anyway from the West. They've managed to replace some of it with investment from China and Japan and the Gulf. And China and the Gulf probably aren't going to care about what happens to Michael Calvi. You know, it'd be a different situation. They arrested some prominent Chinese businessmen, as we've seen with the Huawei case. But evidently, they're not worried enough about the impact on foreign direct investment to make some issue here. And there also hasn't been a comment from the White House since this happened. So they may not be feeling the pressure from the U.S. either. 
Okay, so the outlook for foreign investment in Russia doesn't look too positive from this. What's the outlook for Michael Calvi himself now? Not great. His first appeal against his pretrial detention is tomorrow, but there have already been some other appeals from defendants in the case this week, and nothing has happened. There have been some pretty prominent people who've signed letters and sent statements to court. They include Pyotr Avin, the oligarch who runs Alpha Bank, Kirill Dmitriev, who runs the Rush Direct Investment Fund. It's a sovereign wealth fund that does partnerships with foreign companies and funds to do private equity, mostly in Russia. But as we report this week, that carries some weight, but Putin is also listening to the opinions of agencies like the FSB. And Putin being Putin, that is the advice that he is increasingly all the more inclined to take. Max Seddon, thank you very much. Thank you, Neil. That was Neil Buckley talking to Max Seddon in Moscow. We'll be back with another news feature tomorrow. In the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our latest subscription offer at ft.com offer.